Hello and welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett. And hey, this is Ben. Whoa, where's the Matt guy? I'm um, sorry, producer Ben, right? That's my name. Yeah, it's your first and last name. Uh, we're, this is a um, not, this is a impromptu podcast um, because I just got back from San Diego. San Diego's Comic Con International. They changed the name to where people. It's like now not what people think it's called, but everyone still calls it San Diego Comic Con. So it's internet. So it's both San Diego and international. Yeah, it's well. I think the, the official name is Comic Con International. But if you just say Comic Con International, I don't think anyone's going to know what you're talking about. No, and also, yeah, that does sound like a, a committee sort of compromise because yeah. I'm sure San Diego, the city, like really wants their name on it. Uh, you know, because the other thing too, right? It, actually, you know what? I bet that might be sort of the the conference and the state uh i'm sorry the convention and the and the and the city government sort of like like a bargaining thing right because if it's (laughs) called san diego comic-con it's very hard to tell san diego that you're going to host it somewhere else next year oh yeah and then the state you know whereas if you start calling it comic-con international they can go anywhere yeah then they can move it to get a better deal of town over or in mars international that's intergalactic sorry uh, sure. But everyone still calls it San Diego Comic-Con or SDCC. Like, I think all the hashtags all weekend were SDCC, like they always are. Yeah, it'll probably, it'll take, like, a couple, like, years. I mean, for them, if they move it, they'll still be probably a stink about it, but it'll take, uh... Anyway. Yeah. So, I'm so sure... So, I was there. Yeah. yeah I, I got, was... I got back yesterday, which is normally when new episodes go up, and Matt is busy at a work, at work, um... That guy works like a dog. Like a D-A-W-G. Uh, we're all working like dogs, which is why uh, publishing and recording has been a little bit spotty. We've all been going out of town a lot yeah. since, since Hero's gone. It's summer. Uh, it's summer. Um, but don't worry, our lives are going to get much less interesting starting now. Uh, so this was my first ever San Diego Comic-Con experience, which blew everyone's minds every time I told them that all weekend, which was all the time. I... Did I know? I don't think I knew that. I thought you'd maybe been once, like, a couple years ago. Nope. The one year I was a... When I was a professional working in the comic book conventions industry at Wizard in 2008, they did mm-hmm. not send me. Hmm. That was annoying. They sent my coworker and other people that, like... And one of, like... Yeah, they just didn't send me, which was annoying. But I figured out... I've been to this... I've been to comic book conventions in eight other states, though. So it's not like I'm a slouch. Okay, so, so broad strokes, then... Uh... Because you've been, I mean, I've been to New York Comic Con like almost every year for the past couple of years, and you've, yeah. So there's no re- there's no way you haven't. So I've been there every year since '08. How how does it roughly how does it compare, like from your perspective <laughs> to New York specifically? I mean, it's basically, uh, it's it is very similar to New York Comic Con except. Basically, San Diego is New York Comic Con from my very, very uh, newbie perspective. It's New York Comic Con without 90% of Artist Alley, which is the main reason I personally go to comic conventions. So that Hmm. was a... uh, Like, we went to Heroes Con, and Heroes Con is like... The entire floor is like 50% artists and 50% people selling things, like vendors. And Heroes Con is, I think, famed and known for having, like, 500 artists in Artist Alley. Like, it's amazing. 
San Diego Comic-Con, a show that is, what, a hundred times bigger than Heroes Con in Little Charlotte, North Carolina, maybe had a tenth of the artists hmm. that Heroes Con... They might have had 50 artists in Artist Alley, if that. Um, which isn't to say that, like, there are a ton of big-name creators there. It's just they don't have a set location where fans can go and find them. Instead, they have to, you know... Wait, so, fo- they have so, to, oh. Is there an artist alley? or is it? There is, is one. Okay. And it is, it is, yeah, it is maybe 50 people. It is so, so tiny. So is it like, is it like, is that where all the big names, like, is it where all the big names are? Or no. the big names all have their own booths somewhere else, and this is like artists, like, uh, like, literal, like, dingy back alley. <laughs> No, like, the, the artist alley at San Diego is a mix. I mean, like, a lot of it is, there's a bunch of, like, mid-level guys, um, a bunch of, like, really classic, classic people that, you know, were, like, very influential from the 40s to the 60s that are very, very important, but, you know, your 10-year-old fan of New Avengers isn't going to know who they are. So then yeah. you have those guys. But then you also have, like, the big, like, J. Scott Campbell, Olivier Coypel, like, some big modern names were also in there, too. Um, but there were only, like, 50 of them. And the thing is, is, like, all the other big names, like Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder and Gail Simone and Chris Somney and Mark Wade, and all these people that, like, oh, man, they're there. I had no idea they were there, because the only way you can see them is, in the most cases, like, going to panels, tracking down when they have signings at the Marvel or DC or other booths, or just running into them on the show floor, which is how I met a lot of people. Hmm. So it's kind of, that's kind of a shitty thing. Like, at New York Comic Con, if you want to meet Mark Wade who is the fantastic writer of Daredevil and Indestructible Hulk right now, mm-hmm. as well as some Rocketeer minis. Um, at New York Comic Con, he had a table. So you know, oh, anytime I want to see Mark Wade, I'll just go over to that table. And if he's not at the panel, he'll be there, and it's easy. Whereas at this show, it was like, oh, well, where is Mark Wade now? Who knows? Hmm. So that, that, was like that, that is the kind of awful thing that I really didn't like. But on the flip side, San Diego has... All the movie stuff, like New York Comic Con is a bunch of movie stuff. San Diego blows it out of the water. Yeah. Well, I know that's sort of like the, the criticism, right? Is that like it's like kind of busted out of the, like it's the, the borders are kind of, you know, a mess and it's like anything pop culture is there. Yeah. Like, I don't know, how did that feel? Was that like, did it feel unfocused or did it, or was it still the only right or? The only thing that felt unfocused was the floor plan. Because coming from, like, working in conventions and going to so many conventions where most every convention is laid out the same way. You have all the vendors, like, all the comic book shops and people, like, trying to sell their old, like, you know, lightsabers and old cereal box toys or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're all in a corner. Next to them you have, like, small press, like, people trying to sell their indie comics or, like, smaller publishers and manufacturers, like, all together. And then right next mm-hmm. to them is Artist Alley. Which makes sense because a lot of the artists are involved in the small press, so it makes sense to put them right next to Artist Alley so that, you know, all the comic book fans can go there and they can find people. Yeah. And then after that, you have the exhibitors, which is where you have, like, your Marvels, your DCs, your Hasbros, your, you know, Windows, like, everything. Um, PlayStation, etc. Like, as in Microsoft Windows? Yeah, and, yeah, because there are no Windows on the floor. Um, so, but, like, San Diego, my first pass through the con, it felt like, Artist Alley was shoved in a corner, and then they place special care where to put, you know, Marvel, DC, and all the big-name things. And then the rest of it was all just, like, they just shook it up and just threw it on the ground. Like, hmm. <laughs> like they just, like, rolled the dice and just shoved, like, the vendors next to the exhibitors next to artists, and it was kind of 
I don't know, weird. As I as the weekend went on, I kind of got a better feel of the floor. Yeah. But it didn't feel as neatly laid out. Do you think there was, like, a, a logic to it, or was it just a case of, like... I think there was a logic. I mean, most of the people that I talked to who have been there a bunch would, like, would talk about the layout and how this year's was better than previous ones. Hmm. And then when I hear them, like, talk about the layout of... Like, someone brought up a very uh, good point of, like, you put, like, two big things on the end so that everyone who comes in through the middle has to walk through all the stuff in the middle to get to the big things on the end. Yeah. So that you, like, drive people, which, like, it kind of was like that. Uh, <clears throat> so, I, I, but, like, all the other TVs, like, I don't, I honestly, I am not one of those people that feels like comics are really being edged out. Yeah. Uh, because the, the, the space is so big. Like, it's mm-hmm. big enough to handle having a Vampire Diaries panel and a... And a uh, TV Land original sitcoms panel, which I did not get to go to, but sounded amazing. Oh. Um, like, the, the space is so big that it, it feels like it can hold being more pop culture-y. But even if you took away all the pop culture stuff, you still have all the biggest names in comics. The, you know, what, four? The four big publishers are all there. Dark Horse, Image, Marvel, and DC are all there exhibiting, you know, with their big booth setups, like... Mm-hmm. So, so they're definitely not literally being edged out. No. I mean, the only, I mean, if someone could point to me and like show numbers on how the actual artist alley has maybe shrunk over the years, then I could point to, yeah, it's being edged out. But a lot of people were saying that it was bigger this year than previous years, which just like blows my mind. Cause I can't imagine it, how anything gets smaller than what that was and still be technically an artist alley. All right, cool. So, uh, so do you want to get into Talking about the the people that you met. Oh gosh, yeah. Th- this is like <laughs> I was like the the bigger yeah. Even to, before we get into that, like I think all the people that I met and most of the things that happened happened because the con is in San Diego and not New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, like New York, we've both been to been to New York. The Javits Center. What words would you use to describe the Javits Center and the area surrounding the Javits Center? <laughs> uh, remote. Yeah. Um... No, it's like not in it. It's definitely like kind of off on the edge of the city. I mean, they're making a point of like developing the area around it. I guess yeah. I guess that the San Diego Convention Center is what probably more centrally located in the city. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's uh, you know, like like New York Comic Con. The only restaurants near there are like a two story McDonald's and a Subway, <laughs> and then the nearest like the nearest subway station is three avenues away. Yeah, like a ten minute walk. It's horrible. Whereas yeah. San Diego, you're by the water. I guess you're by the ocean. Or you're by the bay, because one of the hotels is called the Bayfront. I don't know yeah. my geography. So, like, the weather is gorgeous. The location is beautiful. Like, walking from one panel to another panel, I saw, like, a giant marina. Well, Javits is on the Hudson River, so it is on the water. Yeah, right? I guess it's just not as pretty. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely in New York it feels like you're sort of just off in this, like, you know, off to the side in the margin. I mean, it's tough in New York because the, yeah. the city's nuts. And there's so, no space. I'm surprised we even have the Javits. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, it's not that there's no, I mean, like, it's like they, actually, we should do our history, right? I don't know when it was built, right? But, like, that's all, like, former factory manufacturing type area. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, you know, which is why there's, like, plenty of space to have a convention center. Uh, but they are trying to, I mean, you know, our, our children will probably have a nicer time there because the, 
you know, they are trying to build... I mean, like... Something. Area around surrounding is all... Hey, whatever, we're not here to talk about yeah. New York. <laughs> uh, but, like, the weird thing is, is, like, San Diego, the, the it's right next to the Gas Lamp District, which is a term I learned this weekend, uh-huh. which is just really hip, urban, cool... Uh, a lot of bars, a lot of, like, restaurants, and the entire surrounding blocks in part of the city just turns into Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Like, every bar has Comic-Con specials. Every, every like, hotel is hosting some sort of event. I didn't put this on the list of things to talk about, but on Thursday night, I went to go... I got the chance to talk to Jim Rash, Dean Pelton from Community. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, Academy Award winner for The Descendants of Screenwriting. Yeah. Um, because at, at, a, at another hotel... Uh, a show called The Writer's Room, which premieres on Sundance tonight, Monday. Um, no, it might be next Monday, the 29th. Anyway, they were having just like a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. So I was tasked, because I went there with comic book resources as a reporter. So one of my beat, one of my assignments was to go there and just like talk and like scope it out. So I got a six minute interview with Jim Rash, followed by like preceded by an open bar and some really nice like food. Oh, like, so you got a finger, lot of like finger foods. I got some fish out of him. Yeah, I got some. I got some fish tacos. I got some bruschetta. That's a thing. Uh, it was really good, and I got to talk to him, which was like that's crazy. I would never have thought that I would have talked to Jim Rash, especially at like Comic Con because that show okay. has nothing to do with Comic Con. Okay, so so you introduced all this stuff. Oh, so you're saying like because there's like stuff around the convention center, you could bump into people. At those bars, as opposed yeah. to only on the floor. Like, whereas in New York, like, you either bump into people on the floor, or, like, you happen to know what hotels, people, like, it's, everyone's sort of spread out once you're out of the convention center. Yeah, like, there's nowhere, I mean, it's kind of like in Heroes Con, there was that one bar. Yeah. Whereas, like, at this place, I mean, the entire city turns into Comic-Con. Like, walking the streets at night, it felt like I was still on the convention floor. Yeah, but like very dilu- oh, you, but New York, it's like very diluted. Yeah, you don't know where anyone goes. Like, there's yeah. nowhere to go. So after the cons over, like the fact that I got to interview Jim Rash at another hotel that was and like the I was staying at the Marriott Marquis and there was like there was always a line to get into the bottom of the Marriott Marquis because they had Comic Con merchandise. Mm-hmm. So people were like like lines everywhere, even lines at hotels for some reason. <laughs> uh, but that that was nuts. And it really made walking around the city pretty cool, too. Cool. So I have to say, like, I loved all the after-hours stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much, if not more, than the actual con. That's my definitive statement. <laughs> cool. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, that's, I, I, I can sort of see why that would be... That sounds so much better than New York. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so the... Uh, uh, what night was this? Friday night? Mm-hmm. I was waiting for a friend of the show, Justin Acklin, mm-hmm. who was on our Secret I- Superman Secret Identity episode, former Wizard employee. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for him to meet me in the Hotel Marriott uh, lobby, because we're going to eat at one of the hotel's restaurants. So I got down to the hotel lobby, and there was an R2-D2 there, which is, you know, Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> there was an R2-D2, like a functioning, fully functioning, two-scale R2-D2. When you say fully functioning, like... How, how far did you test it? Like, Well, I didn't have sex with it, but um, uh, it was making all the noises. It had right. all the lights. I don't think it was moving around, but... Um, so when did Justin... It, ha- sh- it probably had an inhibitor on it. I mean, I wouldn't leave one in a hotel lobby without... No. Although I did notice that... Um, this is so nerdy. On the back of R2-D2's dome, like, his front has red and blue. 
Yeah. It flashes on the back, I think, is green and yellow. Like, he has another similar little circle that flashes green and yellow. Huh. I don't know. I only know that because I saw an R2-D2. Um, but when Justin got there, I was like, oh, I gotta get a picture with this, because my iPhone case is a little R2-D2, so I got that picture. And then as we were turning around to go to eat dinner, mm-hmm. I recognized uh, John Ratzenberger standing outside in the, uh, like, just outside the lobby doors. And I only recognized, like, the back of his head and, like, kind of a three-quarter profile. And I was like, that's Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Like, I oh. know who that is. Whoa. So uh, what- What's so his, I, is, what, like, is he, what's his connection? I mean, did you, you, did you talk to him? Yeah, I didn't know. That, that, that was a surprising thing. because, like, why am I seeing John Ratzenberger right here, right now, in this hotel lobby? Yeah. So I, and I've been watching Cheers, if you follow my Twitter feed, I've been watching Cheers since January. Like, I'm on season eight. I've watched seven and a half full seasons of Cheers in as many months. So, and he's my favorite character. So the fact, like, it's one of those, like, oh, I have to say something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost, like, meant to be. Because, like, Cheers is not on the air anymore. And no one is talking about John Ratzenberger on a daily basis except for me. <laughs> so, if he's right there, I have to say something. So, he was getting his picture taken with a bunch of kids. Because uh-huh. he does all the voices in Pixar movies. Oh, okay. He's in every Pixar movie of something. I think most notably he's the piggy bank in Toy Story. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I walked over there, and after, like, waited for him to get done with pictures of kids, and I just said, excuse me, can I get a picture? And then Justin just took a picture. And while we were posing, I just said, I just started watching Cheers, you're my favorite character. And he just, like, laughed, and then that was it. Like, that was the extent of our interaction. But I got a picture, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered I discovered that he is he was signing at the convention upstairs in the autograph area. Uh-huh. So that's why he was there. And he had a very healthy line when I went by to check it out. That's cool. But that was nuts. Uh, that was a crazy experience. Yeah, I wonder how many... Uh, I wonder that... That's probably, like, something that keeps happening in line where, like, you know, kids are coming up to get things signed for the voiceover characters and parents are, like, like commenting on cheers. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how much he got cheers this weekend. He probably nice. got a lot of cheers. But I also, like, I have a mustache right now, and I didn't, like, I didn't tell him that the mustache was, like, you know, it's kind of inspired by Cliff Clavin, let's be honest. Yeah, I think that would have been a bit much if you just rushed up to him and just, you know. Yeah. I just started watching your show, and you're my favorite character from years ago, and I'm growing this mustache to look like you. And like, I might be you for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's a lot to lay on, which I did not lay on any of that. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, was there anyone? Was there anyone you did get too intimate with? Uh, uh, not as much as I would have liked to. Oh. No. Oh. Oh. Wait, man. I met. I met a lot of people this weekend. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, uh, we'll build up. We'll build up to the big reveal. Okay. Uh, but I also met artist Chris Somney this weekend. Cool. Who I've never met before. Um, who recognized me from Twitter. Which always surprises me. I don't know if that's like a humble brag or what, but like uh, he, he's like from your face or or or, for, or after you told your name, from my face. Like oh. I covered uh, on Thursday morning. There was a spotlight on Chris Somney panel that Mark Wade, the writer of Daredevil, uh, moderated. So it was just the two of them. It was just the writer and artist of Daredevil who are like the two biggest bros in comics. Like they like love each other. It's like a cross generational love. <laughs> 
Because, like, Mark Waid started writing comics in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and Chris Somney's career has only maybe been around, like, he broke out maybe, like, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, Mark, like one of Mark Waid's running things for the panel was just like, oh, you're so young, oh, I'm so old. But, like, the respect and, like, uh, overlap of interests that they have in classic comics, like, they, they're just so, such a great pair. Mm-hmm. Work great together. It was a great panel. And I was covering it for CBR. And then when I, to reiterate the point that you can't find people at San Diego, yeah. I just went by the Marvel booth to talk to a friend of the show, Lorraine Sink. Uh-huh. And I was, because she was doing Marvel's live stream from the side of their booth all weekend. So I would just go by there periodically just to say hi. And I was walking back over there. And Chris saw me, I think, was leaving a signing. And he saw me and just pointed and was like, hey! Thank you! Like, I saw you yesterday, and I didn't get to say hi. I was like, he doesn't follow me on Twitter. I don't know why he knows who I am. He was like, I appreciate all the support you give me on Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. This is great. Uh, which I'm glad I, I changed my Twitter icon to show that I have a mustache now. So I guess that was a good idea. Yeah, I just I went, when you mentioned that, I went back and checked. It's a pretty pretty clear clear photo of you. Yeah, I uh, did that on purpose. I want people to know. Uh, so that was great. And... Um, I talk to him. I worry because, like, the one thing I tell him on the internet a lot is that I think he draws a very, very uh, handsome and cute Foggy Nelson, who is... Foggy Nelson was played by Jon Favreau in the 2003 movie, if that gives people who don't know Foggy Nelson a clear idea of what kind of person Foggy Nelson is. <laughs> he's kind of dumpy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, think, I think he's a very cute character. This is really weird. So I told Sami that, and he liked it. That was fine. Whatever. I'm a weirdo. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I see. yeah, he's definitely your type. Yeah. <laughs> he wears a bow tie a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, Somni won an Eisner that night, which is like the comic book equivalent of the Oscars, and they give them out at the San Diego Comic-Con. An Eisner? Yeah. It's named after Will Eisner. Oh, right. Not, yeah. No relation to Michael. No. <laughs> um... So when I saw him again on Saturday morning, it all bleeds together, he immediately just like gave me a hug and was like, hey, how's it going? I was like, this guy is the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> he, that's the thing that you've learned about a bunch of comic creators, that they are so nice. Like, oh, yeah. they, they appreciate it when you, they really do appreciate when you promote their stuff, talk about it, uh, when you're just nice, when you're not overbearing and crazy, even though constantly telling Chris Somney that Foggy Nelson is hot might be crazy. So maybe I should cut back on that. Well, if you're doing it on Twitter, I mean, it probably doesn't, you know, seem as... Uh, you're one of a sea of many voices. Yeah, yeah. It, well, probably, also, it probably doesn't seem as crazy as if he was just looking at your feed. Yeah. And also, like, if you want to talk about... I'm sure that a lot of writers get a lot of, like, oh, man, you draw a really hot Emma Frost. Like, <laughs> oh, you draw... Like, that is the thing that happens all the time. Male yeah. characters don't get objectified in that way a lot. That would be, actually, that would be really interesting to start. I don't know if you've asked any any artists this, but, like, if they've sort of noticed whether they get more, uh, like, what the breakdown is of, yeah. like, people commenting on the attractiveness of their characters. Because, I mean, yeah. it can't be that, like, no one ever comments on the males. Like, yeah, I would like to know, like, who the artists get, like, complimented the most about. Yeah. Because I, I do make a point. Like, Dale Eaglesham... Uh, he he did he's doing the current arc of Iron Man. He drew Dum Dum Dugan, mm-hmm. who is the 
you, you saw First Avenger with me, so you, he was the guy with the bowler hat and the big mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Dale Eaglesham's Dum Dum Dugan, oh, really hot, and I told him, and he favored it and maybe retweeted it. So, like, I think they appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they probably, like, might be refreshing to be like, oh, yeah, okay, other people besides, like, you know, Rogue and Elektra are attractive. Cool. Yeah. But I uh, wonder, but on the flip side, like, I wonder how many, uh, you know, are there guys just being like, yo, Rogue is, like, hot man like i just i, I like they bother saying i don't know i whatever let's follow that one away yeah i, I want to I find that out but yeah um and also i found out he lives in st louis he also loves star clipper the store that i rave about all the time so mm-hmm. like the official favorite comic book store <laughs> of the podcast yeah sure i'll declare that it's mine so it's <laughs> ours um we should get a we should really get a sponsorship uh <laughs> but yeah that was amazing like that was super fun uh I'm really glad that, you know, I met him. That was cool. Cool. Uh, do we want to get to the big meat of the weekend? Why not? Oh, jeez. This is... Uh, fans of the podcast heard a couple weeks ago... Should we tell them to sit down? Sit down. <laughs> I don't care if the subway is crowded. Sit on someone's lap. No. If you're driving, uh, if you're driving pull over. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you listened a couple weeks ago, you heard Matt tell me a story about meeting someone. Uh, Matt met Joss Whedon at a bar without me. They <laughs> 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 just like there you go, um, and that happened because Matt is like we're both friends with Lorraine Sink again, friend of the podcast. She was on the Justice League International episode with Kirk D'Amato, our cosplay correspondent. Um. So Lorraine was at San Diego, and I like you know I'm friends with her, so I went I kept going by there, just like talking to her, saying hi. Uh, but I was just walk. I finished a panel assignment, and I was walking by, back to artist Chris Anka's uh, table to get my sketch that I had him do. And I got distracted because at the Marvel booth, the Shield, the Marvel, the ABC's Agents of Shield uh, cast was signing. Mm. So I saw Joss Whedon in human flesh. In human flesh, as opposed to all that cat flesh I've seen. Uh, I Thanks. saw him in person for the first time. Thanks for that image. Yeah, Joss Whedon wearing cat skin. Um, so, I don't know what my face oh God, looked like from the show floor. I know I put my hand over my mouth, and I'm pretty sure I started rocking back and forth a little <laughs> bit. Just seeing him in person from really far away, and then I immediately... I don't know, it was like, um, like, this weird animal instinct just took over, and, like, all other thoughts went away, and it was just, I have to get closer. So I tried to get as close as I could. I was just, like, part of me was also looking around at other people, being like, why, why can't all these people breathe? I'm having a hard time. How are they holding it together? But then I remember Lorraine was around the side of the booth. So I immediately, like, walked right over there and saw her, and I think I just let, I think I just looked at her and said, Hi, what's going on? <laughs> and I think she immediately like knew what to do. Um, so she like she called over. She like uh, Arun Singh, who is the PR director for Marvel, um, like DM'd me after he found out that Matt met Joss, yeah. and was like, "Man, San Diego, you're meeting Joss. I'll make it happen." <laughs> So Lorraine was like, I'm finding a rune right now. And she just like pulled me over to a rune who was like at the end of the line, which had already been capped. 
Because like it, the the setup was the setup was also not the ideal place for me to meet Joss Whedon. Yeah. Because the way the Marvel booth, booth is set up is ba- it's a stage. Like okay. there is a stage with a giant TV screen behind it projecting what's on the stage, and then a sea of people watching and taking rigorous photos of all the people on the stage. Uh huh. So. I, I was, like, thrust onto the line on stage. Like, Arun opened, he like, he's like, he opened the guy with the end of the line sign like a door. He just, like, swung him around, put me in at the end of the line, and then closed that guy. <laughs> and was like, no one gets in after him. So, all of a sudden, I am on stage at the Marvel booth, about to meet Joss Whedon, <laughs> in front of so many people. And I'm like, I cannot start, like... All the emotions inside of me, I cannot let out because that is way too embarrassing. Uh, so, it was the entire S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. So, up first was Clark Gregg, who plays Agent Coulson. And I love Agent Coulson. I love Clark Gregg. A lot. But he was sitting next to Joss Whedon. <laughs> so, I, like... I, w- I could not... Ha- I was not excited about meeting Clark Gregg, which I kind of regret. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that I... Um, when I got up there, I was like, what am I going to have them sign? I have literally nothing on me. I have my bag full of my con supplies. I could get them to sign my iPhone case, my badge, a blank pad of paper. Luckily, they had shield posters, so I got that signed. Thank God. Um, so, like, Clark Gregg looked at me and was like, hi, how's it going? And I, don't, I do not know what I said to him. I know it took me a while to form a sentence. And then I was like, thanks. I love your work. <laughs> like... And so then it moved over to Joss, and I had to wait until he was done talking to someone. And then Lorraine had told me to tell him that I know it, that I know Lorraine. So I was like, oh, Lorraine, I'm friends with Lorraine Sink. Uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, she's horrible. <laughs> and so then I had a bit with Joss about how awful Lorraine is. <laughs> That's a good way to start. Find common ground. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then I was like, I have to tell him something. Yeah. But in just like with John Ratzenberger, it's like anything I tell Joss Whedon, like, this is not the time or place to get into how he's changed my life totally. <laughs> like, I don't have enough time. I can't ask for a pic. Like, I, so I just said, you're my favorite human being ever. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's not, that's toned down. Yeah. And then I, then I then I clarified, I know you've probably heard that a lot this weekend. Just because I didn't want, I don't know. I wanted to be aware of... Yeah, actually, that's a pretty cool way to put it. The context. And he was like, no, no, thank you. And then I asked, can I shake your hand? <laughs> and then he, which was... And then he said, it was like, duh. Like, yeah, of course. He was like, oh, <laughs> so... I shook his hand, and it was a blur. What if he had said no? Like, how would that, how would, how would that ever work if... <laughs> like, I would have been fine. Like, what's what's the... I can't... I'm trying to imagine, like, what would be, like, a not a horrible, awkward way to, like, turn down a handshake. No, I think, like, well, it's all... I think it's all, um... If you say, like, I'm sick, or, like, I don't... You know, I'm, I'm you know... Like, something I, like yeah, that, well, that's maybe. Totally fine. If it, but then, like, then you have to be, like, you know... Like, you, you can't say that if you're, like, clearly gonna start shaking other hands. Like, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I I don't know why my mind went there. That's that's <laughs> you got you got to set a handshaking precedent. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I had to meet the rest of the Shield cast. Yeah. So and I don't like a lot of them. This is their first thing. 
so I met a couple of them. Um, two of them, two of the Jimma Simmons and I think a, Elizabeth Hinstridge. No, no, no. That's her name. I don't even know her other name, which is why it's bad. No, um, Chloe Bennett and Elizabeth Hinstridge. Mm-hmm. I think those are their names. Uh, who played two characters on the show, both complimented my shirt. I was wearing my Uniqlo navy with white polka dot shirt. And they That's... both were like, ooh, nice shirts. That made me feel good. <laughs> like, um, not a... When you said that, I assumed it was going to be like some, you know, that, like, a, like a Marvel t-shirt or something. Yeah, exactly. I think they were just refre- like a refreshed, like, oh, it's not a Doctor Doom t-shirt. Or it's not another <laughs> fucking Loki shirt. Yeah. Uh... So that was great. And I noticed today that on my S.H.I.E.L.D. autograph, Elizabeth Hinstridge, uh, I hope I'm getting her name right, like even wrote, like, nice shirt. <laughs> so that's great. Um, the other big moment was I met Ming-Na, Ming-Na Wen. Oh, yeah. Who I, I told her, like, I, like she was the other person. Like, I wish that Cole, like Clark Gregg had been after Joss, because I was much more coherent after I met him. Hmm. So when I met Ming- Ming-Na, I was like, I just want to let you know I've loved you since single guy in ER. <laughs> Because I loved her on the single guy, Andy R. Uh, she was super excited. She was like, thank you so much. Wow. I'm um, really glad. Like, I was like, I'm so happy for you to be on the show. I was like, I remember I cheered when I found out you were cast. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited for you to watch the show. I was like, you're going to be great. Your character's a badass. It was awesome. Um, so she was super nice. Cool. Uh, and then at the very end of the line were Marissa Tancharo and, and Jed Whedon. Yes, Joss, uh, Joss's little brother. Who are mm-hmm. the other executive producers of the show. Mm-hmm. And they are also friends with uh, UCB alumni Jocelyn Guest. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Nicole Dressful, other podcast friend, told me that, like, yeah, she's like, yeah, Jocelyn Guest is super good friends with him. So when I met them, I was like, Marissa, you guys know my friend Jocelyn Guest? And they're like, oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> uh, they told me that she's now a butcher, which I knew, but that was great. I did not know that. Yeah, she is. Um, she, in L.A.? Like, yeah, uh, she's a butcher in L.A. That's I'm sure she's the, doing other stuff. Oh, okay. But, I don't know. I, I assumed everyone was moving out there to be on TV. Yeah, I didn't know right? that. Like, I think I was going to say you could go to Williamsburg to be a butcher, but maybe actually she, that's probably all crowded out now. Yeah, she's, she's uh, forging new territory. Um, so, no, that entire experience was great, and I left it with... I have an autograph now uh, with all of them. Uh-huh. Um, and later that night, I just went back to my hotel room and just, like, thought about it, and it got really messy. In a good way. Just, like, ugly crying. <laughs> uh, As always, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> um, no, that's, yeah. really, that's, that's really cool. And also, I guess this means you and Matt can be friends again. Yeah. Well, he... But, see, the thing is, is, like, he still got way more time. He got more time with him than I did. He got a well, lot more time. Right. Okay. So... Well, you gotta let... You gotta, you gotta let it go, man. New York Comic Con is coming up, and then he's on my territory. So, <laughs> and there's nowhere, there's nowhere to go outside of the Javits. So you got him trapped. Yeah, just so. Oh no, yeah. I was gonna start going into details of this hypothetical you're, meeting, you're plan- but no, yeah, let's not. I don't want to make. I don't want to scare anyone because it's. I won't actually do anything scary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was a big moment of the weekend. But it didn't go downhill from there. Oh, no? No. <laughs> um, I also covered, uh, for CBR, I covered the Tick's 25th anniversary panel. Did you watch the Tick? 
Back uh, in the day on the TV the, show? The, the cartoon back yeah. in the 90s? Yeah, I, I did. Yes, I have memories of seeing it. How many? It, it was like, it, was, it wasn't much, right? It was like one season? No, was it more than that? Let me go to Wikipedia. Because I'm pretty sure it lasted for a while. Really? Maybe uh, I just didn't watch least... much of it. Uh, the Tick, nineteen ninety four series. Oh, it had it would last for three seasons, but thirty six episodes. Okay, well, it's still a little more than I thought. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, I remember. Did... I remember the one where they make a giant clown, uh, and <laughs> and the scientists lamenting, that, like they're like, "Don't you know, clowns were never meant to be that big." Um, <laughs> it's the best show. So I got to cover that panel, um, and then halfway through it. They uh, pulled out of the audience Townsend Coleman, mm-hmm. who is the voice of the tick, who was just there watching it. Wait, was the uh, panel for the cartoon? Or it for... was for the comic book. The, car- oh, okay. the comic book is 25th anniversary of the comic right now. Gotcha. So the cartoon was 94, so right. you know, it's coming up on its 20th. Gotcha. Uh, it's so crazy. Um, so Townsend Coleman then like went up to the microphone and did the tick voice, and it sounded like this. Greetings, the citizens. <laughs> it is I, the tick. I am mighty! Yeah, so... That's great. That sounds like... I mean, with all the cheering, right? It's like, it's like he was... The tick was really... Like, it, it sounds as though the tick actually showed up. Yeah. Like... Yeah, you guys don't know what he looked like. What does he look like? Because it's so, like I kind of assume he's like the opposite. Yeah, like, ju- just because of the universe is ironic like that. Like, you know, the tick is this enormously muscled, uh, you know, giant character. I imagine he's like a super skinny guy. Yeah, he's a thin guy. He's about five foot ten, maybe, maybe shorter than that. He had just like like gray hair. <laughs> he was wearing like I think he was wearing like a nice light blue shirt. Hmm. You know. Kind of unassuming. You wouldn't expect that voice. And I, um, the crazy thing, okay, I have to find, I have to find this. Uh, I, I was covering the panel for CBR, so the reason I have that audio is because I was doing an audio recording of it. Yeah. Uh, so I could just make sure I got all the quotes. But I was also, I also, like, just typed really fast nonstop during the entire uh, panel. Mm-hmm. Just to basically have a rough transcription to work from. Keep your fingers in shape. Yeah, and that too. Uh, and so when so this these are my notes for when I knew that Townsend Coleman was about to start speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty three minutes forty seven seconds. Townsend Coleman, the tick applause, and he says spoon, and I am tearing up. And holy shit, voice of the tick. Because <laughs> <laughs> like as he was as he was saying all that, like all of the memories of how much I loved that show and how important it was like to me in the, you know the fourth to sixth grade. Uh, and just how much, like, that hilarious that show was, how much, like, I just couldn't get enough of the tick. When I was hearing that voice in person, like, just being fed into my brain, like, the biggest smile, I couldn't stop, my fingers kept going, and that's what I typed. <laughs> yeah, I like that you were just, like, sort of in the zone, and so you just, like, whatever your thoughts were just came out. Yeah. Uh, as a... <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, that was that's a great cool. moment. I mean, it and sounds I, from the from the audio, it sounds like you're not alone. 
Oh, no, the panel was really packed, and everyone was, like, flipping out about that. Which is another, like, that's a Comic-Con moment. That's weird. I didn't actually, I mean, the, the 25 years uh, in the comics, I didn't actually kind of realize that was going on. Because, uh, to me, I knew, like, I remember the cartoon from the 90s, and then there was, like, another live-action show with, yeah, with Patrick Warburton that was even shorter, I think. It was one season. Yeah, so in my mind, I didn't know there was still anything tick-related going on. I assumed it was like... In fact, I, did, I, I guess it, it was a comic first. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah but I it mean, was always... It was a black... It was like... It was, they talked about Ninja Turtles a lot in the panel because the, the trajectory of the tick was all kind of because of Ninja Turtles' success. Yeah. Because there was a big like black and white indie 80s comic boom, which, you know, the Turtles might have kicked off this is i'm very fuzzy on all this knowledge but i know they were one of the first like they yeah. were early 80s well as soon as anyone's successful doing anything yeah people will immediately like on both ends like people try to replicate it by doing the same thing and also like on the sort of the publisher side they'll go looking for people doing the same thing and, and like try to get that too yeah so i can i can definitely see that happening so, like, they started Tick because of, like, the Turtles was an indie success, and then when the Turtles got a cartoon, you know, five years later, Tick got a cartoon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there are still new Tick comics being published today, and um, also the Jackson Public of the Venture Brothers was there. Oh, cool. Because he, when Ben Edlund, the writer-creator of the Tick, from what they said on the panel, when he went to L.A. to start storyboarding the cartoon, Jackson Public took over, whose real name is Chris McCullough. Mm-hmm. Uh... So, like, that's why he was there, is because, like, bef- like, a decade before Venture Brothers, he was, did, like, the tick guy. Did you just out Jackson Public? Oh, no! Yes. You're on my list. Uh, so that was a great moment. Um, so many stars, so little time. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Alright, what, uh, what else? I don't know, I'm just, I, am I supposed to be making puns to lead these in? I'm, I'm not really sure. I yeah, go for puns. Now, um... I, I did go, I did eventually go back and get my sketch from Chris Anka, yeah. who, uh, he, he's a, he's a really great artist. I talked to him, like, three times over the weekend. It was really great to meet him. I've never even seen him in person, so I had to do, like, a Google search to find out if that was really him, because he was just sitting at a booth. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have, like, his name wasn't anywhere out there, so, and I don't even know if he was any of the program guides, because that's how San Diego rolls. Wait, uh, so he was just at, when you say at a booth, I mean, like, not an unmarked booth. No, it was the Satellite Soda booth, which I think is, like, the art collective of a bunch of his friends from Sideshow Collectibles. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's what I'm inferring. I might be very wrong about that. Uh, but I knew he was going to be there because I follow him on Twitter. So I went over there, and he drew in my TV sketchbook. Yeah? What'd you get this he, time? He, uh, I gave him a choice of a bunch, mm-hmm. and he picked Stefan hmm. from SNL. So... I have a Chris Anka Stefan, which if you follow me on Twitter or Tumblr, you've seen, or, or Facebook, because I've plastered it everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's really great, and it was super, I, like, he was the one artist I wanted some artwork from, because he's blown up in the past year, and I've been a fan of his for at least three years now, uh, so I, I was really happy to get to meet him and talk to him and get a sketch from him, especially because San Diego is kind of impossible to get sketches at. Yeah, did you get any others, or was that the only no. one? That was it. I wanted to. I wanted to take my sketchbook up and get John Ratzenberger to either like sign or pose with the sketch I have of him. Yeah. That I got Jonathan Case to do. Oh, cool. Um, no, but but I didn't do it. Yeah. So that was cool. 
Uh, we can end this by talking about the big news that came out of the panel, which was Marvel's big Hall H movie presentation. Uh, well, also, no, I want to get your I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. D- DC tried to trump Marvel by revealing what their next movies are going to be. Have you heard this? You guys heard about this? I've no, I have not heard that. I've been oh. I've been in a <laughs> in a I've been melting because of the heat. What what are they in, what are they doing? Well, they at the main of like the Superman panel, they like of course they're doing Man of Steel too. So uh-huh. they put up, they put up like a Superman S shield for like uh-huh. you know yeah we're doing Superman too woo, and then the Superman S shield all of a sudden became envelop- enveloped in a bat. Okay. So there was a hybrid Batman Superman logo on the screen. Oh, they're going to do like a crossover movie? Superman Batman is the next DC movie. That's like never happened in a movie, right? But it happens a bunch in the comics, right? Uh oh, on a movie, yeah. Well, it never well, has happened. I'm ignoring uh Justice League, I guess, but Well, I'm like a uh, big screen movie. I mean, DC has had very little success. Like Batman and Superman are the only two characters they've ever gotten on the big screen really right. Yeah. Um, and only because they've done them thousands of times. A bunch, a bunch of times. Uh, and that's not even saying that both of their last outings were them right. Um, burn. Uh, so yeah, that, that's what they're announcing. And then they were like, we're also developing Flash and Justice League. Hmm. Were their announcements. Which is paltry. <laughs> I don't know. Like, people were way more excited about all the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff Marvel announced. Which is nuts. Yeah. Because Superman and Batman are way more popular than Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. But somehow, like, Marvel just has this unrelenting freight train of energy, which was showcased insanely at the Hall H movie presentation panel. Like, Ben, holy crap. Yeah. (laughs) The stuff, like, uh, first of all, Tom Hiddleston came out as Loki. Like, in Loki garb, yelling at the audience, and then showed them footage from Thor the Dark World. So that was crazy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, and I then after, go, go ahead. Oh, so then after that, they had the entire Captain America Winter Soldier pan, uh, cast come out mm-hmm. for a panel discussion of 15 minutes about that. Um, which was, I watched all of it this morning on YouTube because I couldn't get into the panel. Because mm-hmm. it's impossible to get into that panel. Uh, but yeah, it, it was amazing. Is there like an official video on YouTube, or was it just somebody with a camera? It was all someone with a camera. There's not an official. And there, I think, are a bunch of... I watched the... Uh, what was it called? F- film... Film Geek or Film Freak? I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. Uh-huh. Uh, what, the, what the channel was called. But I, I watched that, and uh, I am very excited about Captain America. It... Of course, all, they also showed a bunch of footage from all these movies, but all that had to be removed. They can't show that on YouTube. Yeah. So it's just the panel discussions, but even that is really cool. Um, so what, was there anything, like, really surprising? Uh, they revealed... They've been keeping secret who uh, Emily Vandekamp is playing. They've just been calling her Agent 13. Mm-hmm. I think this weekend was the first time that Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel, introduced her as Agent 13, a.k.a. Sharon Carter. <clears throat> Which they might have been keeping that under wraps because um, Peggy Carter yeah. was in the first movie, and this is Sharon Carter, which is her uh, 
I don't know how they're going to be related. Because they've been related in two different ways in the comics. Hmm. Because the further we get away from World War II, the more, like, greats and grands they have to stick into their relationship. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I think she was originally her daughter, and then she became, like, her very young niece. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, grandniece, maybe. <clears throat> so that was the big reveal for Captain America, I think. But it was cool, like, Scarlett Johansson was there, and she was, like, they revealed, like, she is the co-lead of this movie. She's doing a lot. You get to see a lot more Black Widow, which is really great. Oh, cool. Uh, I guess they're, they're, they're picking up on the, the market. I mean, people were, you especially have been doing <laughs> a lot to further it was, yeah. uh, the Black Widow's career. Single-handedly, it was me. <laughs> I take all credit. Uh, but the, the Guardians of the Galaxy cast was bigger because they've only been shooting it, they've only been shooting the movie for two weeks. Mm-hmm. They've had 14 days of photography and they still cut together a a trailer like still cut together a presentation of footage and showed the audience and it, apparently it was amazing weird <clears throat> out of out of out of like a two weeks of footage yeah apparently they shot a bunch of really cool like a couple of like action scenes and witty lines and stuff already yeah so that's good but you I mean i guess that makes you know that makes sense i could see that if your first couple scenes are like really really like snappy and witty which apparently the script is phenomenal so oh that's good um but they, they did a bunch of reveals for Guardians of the Galaxy because they've been just casting actors and not telling us who they're playing, and they revealed who they're all playing now. Were you making guesses? Or, yeah. Or, so, like, how, how, how good, how well did you do? I was right about Karen Gillan, yeah. formerly Amy Pond of Doctor Who. She is playing Nebula, who was my, like, number one pick on MTV Splash page. I was like, Nebula, please, that'd be great. But I think, like, Nebula is bald, and Karen Gillan took off her wig to reveal that yes, she has shaved her head. <laughs> did they make like a over like did, did a big reveal of that? Yeah, like she because she I think she did like a Doctor Who panel the day before and she just had hair like she had her red hair she had a red wig all week and it looked like her hair. Yeah. Um, but then like they go down the line in the panel and talk to all the actors and when they got down to her, Chris Hardwick who was moderating the panel was just like, "Isn't Nebula bald in the comics?" And she was like, "I might have done something crazy." And then she took off her wig and she was bald. <laughs> um, but like they revealed uh, um, Benicio Del Toro was there and he is playing the collector hmm. who is a character I know nothing about as which is which is the case with a lot of these characters Matt knows more about them I'm sure yeah uh, Lee Pace who I think was in Pushing Daisies mm-hmm. the TV show is playing Ronan the Accuser that's a big role um are those the only ones they oh and then they, they announced Jaiman Hunsu was in the movie this was the first anyone had ever heard that he was in the movie. He is in it, and he's playing Korath, who was a character I had never heard of. Where would I know him from? Jaiman Hansu is... I always think of uh, Amistad. Oh. Uh, I don't know what else he's been in. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thing is, is Marvel keeps, like, both... Both Idris Elba, Adewale Ekinabe... Oh, jeez, I cannot get his name right. Mr. Echo from Lost. Yeah. And the Jaiman Hunsu, all three of them are in Marvel movies, but all three of them have, like, at one point or another campaign to play Black Panther. Like, they keep casting all these guys that would be perfect for Black Panther in roles that are not Black Panther. Hmm. So it's like, who is left to play Black Panther, guys? Because, like, Idris Elba would have been great. Jaiman Hunsu would have been great. Adewale would have been great. Didn't do it. But is anyway. There, I mean, does that preclude them doing They could the double duty. Yeah. I would be fine with it. I don't care. 
Uh, Chris Pratt was there. He was introduced as your next big Marvel hero, which is hilarious to think of Andy Dwyer as the next big Marvel hero. Yes, he's, the, he's the lead of that movie. I guess if you only know him from, uh, oh, what is it, the Bin Laden hunting movie. Yeah, Bin Laden Hunters 2012. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you only know him from that, it, 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 it's a better fit. Yeah. But no, if you only know him from Parks and Rec, it's like, whoa, but it's great. Um, yeah, the, but they, the, the big thing is they did not announce what the next three movies are going to be. They mm-hmm. have three dates for 2016 and 2017 scheduled. Yeah. But those movies are a mystery still. Huh. They didn't reveal what any of those are. So we'll either have to wait until New York Comic Con, or they might be holding those announcements off until the D23 Disney Expo in mm-hmm. August, I think is when it is. Hmm. So, I don't know. That was pretty much my uh, Comic-Con. It was a big weekend. <laughs> I'm exhausted. That was a big weekend. You got in last night? Yeah. Like, really late? Or... Yeah, I didn't get to do any of Sunday at the con. Uh, so I was there from Wednesday night until Saturday, or until Sunday morning. So I was there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which are three full days. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a good amount. Yeah. Uh, you, you missed the cleanup. Yeah. Oh, I missed all the bargains. <laughs> But it was great. It was a lot of it was a lot it was a lot of fun and I'm glad I got to go. Big thanks to CBR for flying me out there and putting me up in a hotel room. Yeah, actually, so what are are you uh is there anything coming up on the site that you're writing for them about it yeah. or is it pretty much all Yeah, what 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 do have, what do I readers have, have to look forward to? <laughs> uh I have seven panel write-ups that have gone up that people can look for and find if I don't know when they're going up. Mm-hmm. A couple of them already have so, check that out. Seven of them. Woo! <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's it. I mean, I guess I mean I, I imagine they're going to sit on those for a long time. They want to. Yeah, they'll clean. they'll be rolled out over the course of the next week. Yeah, and then I'll probably be turning all of this information into a um, podcast into an into an article for Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, depending on whether when you're reading this or hearing this, you can have something to read too. Great. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for hopping on. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you finally got to live your dream and go to San Diego, <laughs> find out what a decently arranged convention center is like. Uh, it was really nice. It was super spacious. Javit seems to get on it. Hmm. Um. So, I mean, I, actually, so I mean, this, I don't know, this is kind of a minor thing for, and but like, was it, so like in New York, it's getting like, I don't know, like, last year it felt, like, oppressively crowded and I hated it. Was it, like, you didn't really mention how it felt as far as that, like, foot traffic and all that. Uh, it felt a little bit better than New York Comic Con last year. Yeah. Like, just because it is bigger, there are more places for people to go and for people to just sit. Like, there's so much empty space for people to just sit. Oh, that's good. Which is great. Which New York Comic Con does not have. Yeah. Um, so, like... I did want to murder a bunch of people, <laughs> but it wasn't as bad. Like I was, I feel like I was constantly moving at yeah. varying speeds. Where at a lot of times in New York Comic Con last year, I was just standing still, like just for no reason. Yeah, because I couldn't move. So that was better. Uh, but with this episode wrapped, I will quickly give you guys a heads up as to what we're reading next week on the show with two very special guests who you will find out with then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be Wolverine, 
number one through four by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, the comic books that have inspired the movie that is opening this Friday. So go see Wolverine on Friday or Saturday. And then on Sunday or Monday, you can listen to us tear apart or hug a lot the original miniseries that the movie is based on. So you're saying that people can skip uh, the book and just watch the movie instead if they don't want to read the book for their homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Read the book. I don't know. (laughs) Just do whatever. Uh, If people out there actually read everything before listening to the episodes, like, I don't know, let us know. I feel like you deserve something. Because I listen to How Did This Get Made every week, and I never watch those movies. I just enjoy their conversation. We should do, like, a, like like the grade school, like, the wall with the stickers. Like, you read yeah. a book, you get a sticker, and then at the end of the year, whoever has the most gets, I don't know, pizza? Yeah, I wish there was some way we could prove that they read it. Maybe, like, maybe it's just, like, a picture of you with the book is enough. Like, either, like, your digital copy or your physical copy. Because I don't think we can really prove that, like, whether or not they read the book. Or, like, uh, you in the last page of it or something. I don't know. Well, we could do... I mean, you could just do the honor system. The trick then is just you don't have a prize worth cheating over. Ah, uh, true that. Um, yeah, so read Wolverine number one through four at one at some point. It is a really good read. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories, so I'm glad that it's getting turned into a movie. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be kind of interested how, how it compares... I mean, like, it was interesting last time how you were, uh, like, talking about Extremis uh, before the Iron Man movie. And sort of comparing how those, uh, how that story turned into a movie. Yeah, veered. Do you have any guesses on how this one's gonna, uh, like between the story and the and the movie for this one? It's gonna be totally different. I feel. I mean, like it's kind of like they're using a lot of the same elements, but it's gonna be different. Yeah. Because they're the, there's a whole like Wolverine losing his healing factor. That's the main thrust of the plot, and that is not in the comics at all. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just taking all the characters. Uh-huh. Uh, which I do believe every character from that uh, the, that miniseries is in the movie, and it seems that they're all more or less the same as they are in that book, but they're throwing them into a new situation. Gotcha. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. Uh, but if you're interested in purchasing Wolverine number 1 through 4 by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, please visit mattandbrightlovecomics.com and buy a printing of it through the Amazon leaks in this episode's show notes. And any purchase you make through... Amazon, through our online store, kicks money back to us, money that we need. You can also purchase next week's reading via the Comixology links on our site, because it is available digitally. And while you're at mattandbreadlovecomics.com, go on and check out our back issues, like comedian Aaron Burdett talking about Sonic the Hedgehog comics, or when Captain Marvel writer Kelly Sue DeConnick talked about her improv comedy background. That's interesting. I think so. Uh, yeah. We also love... It's not? Uh, it's kind of... All right. I mean, you know, whatever. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> We love hearing from you guys, our listeners. So please tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or Facebook page at facebook.com slash theylovecomics. We're also going to start giving away free digital redeem codes for Marvel Comics on our Facebook page. So like it, get some comics. Uh, You can also find links to all of our social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on the website. And if you fancy what you've heard here today, please rate and review the show in iTunes. And... Most importantly, you're all our best spokespeople, so tell all of your friends about this show. And thank you, Ben, for being our producer. Oh, no problem. It's, uh, <laughs> it's awkward saying that bullet point with you right here. Right here? Yeah. No, I'm tearing up a bit. It's, uh... <laughs> just, get the, just get the episode up on the internet, okay? I will. Let's go. Can we do it today? Yeah. Let's do let's it today. Let's do it today. Cool. So, until next time, I'm 
Brett. And I'm not Matt. And I... I do too. Love... We love comics. Wow. Wow.